When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everyone, Craig Baird here. Before I begin today's story, I want to take a moment and ask that you check me out on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash CanadaEHX. There are several tiers with great benefits, from ad-free content to t-shirts and other cool stuff. And I have plenty of wonderful merch in my store, and the link is in my show notes. As well, if you're a fan of Canadian history, make sure you check out all of my shows, from John to Justin, Canadian History X, Canada, A Yearly Journey, and Pucks and Cups, along with Canada's Great War. And don't forget, you can also donate directly to the show at www.canadaehx.com. Just click Donate. It helps keep this show going. Okay, on with the show. I'm Craig Baird, and this is From John to Justin, and we're looking at our third Premier of the Northwest Territories, Nick Sibiston. Nick Sibiston was born in Fort Simpson, Northwest Territories, on November 21, 1943, As a child, he described his early years as idyllic. He was raised by his mother and an elderly woman named M.B., whom he considered to be his grandmother. He would snare rabbits for dinner and spend time with his cousins. At the age of five, he was put into a variety of residential schools. In these schools, he dealt with loneliness, physical abuse, and sexual abuse. He didn't see his mother for six years. He said years later, Those six years in residential school were the most traumatic period of my life. I experienced loneliness, sadness, abandonment, helplessness, insecurity, and physiological and physical hurts. I was constantly teased because I was fairer than the rest of the boys. I was sexually assaulted by a bigger boy. I was treated cruelly by the nuns. After he got out of residential school, he began to play community square dances in the area. His first instrument was the one he ordered through the mail, he said. So that's where I started learning how to play the chords and spent hours and hours and hours with my cousins behind our house in the grass, in the shade, playing and singing. Eventually he became a member of the Arctic Ramblers, and while he began to prepare for his professional adult life. Growing up, his mother told him her dream was that he would work a job where he would wear a white shirt. He went on to attend the University of Alberta and graduated with a degree in law. He was the first Indigenous lawyer in the history of the Northwest Territories. In 1970, he was elected to a four-year term in the Northwest Territorial Council. He defeated incumbent Don Stewart, the mayor of Hay River. At the time, Sibiston was the secretary manager of the Hamlet Council at Fort Ray. This began a stretch that lasted for two decades in the legislature. His win was the same year that four other Indigenous individuals were elected to the legislature. In his first term, he advocated for better medical care for the Inuit in remote villages and criticized the government as being one that was not willing to hire Inuit workers. In his second term, he was elected to serve in the Executive Council, or Cabinet. He quickly gained a reputation for his passion and fiery personality in the legislature. During this time, he frequently attacked government education policies, Indigenous MLAs who remained silent, the government's poor housing in Dene settlements, and the need for land claims to be settled. At one point, he visited all of the houses in the community in his riding. He found homes with foundations rotting, holes in the floor, and no running water. He was told by the government when he raised the issue that things would be done, but nothing was. He said, You come here with the government official, and people expect something to come of it. You don't understand how government works. 
Their contact with government is restricted to once a year when the treaty party comes in. One issue he raised was that people who spoke only slavey could not talk to the government. He also criticized the government for selling liquor when alcoholism was a major problem in the North. In late February 1981, during a heated incident, he was thrown out of the legislature for throwing a cup of coffee onto the floor while arguing with MLA Peter Fraser. Sibison stated they could settle the issue related to the conflict of interest over the Esso Resources oil field outside. On March 13, 1981, Sibison resigned his seat in anger over the incident with Fraser. He stated he would spend his time urging Inuit in his region to become more involved in all levels of government. People around him told him he needed to go back and continue to fight for the Inuit people and the Dene, he said in April 1981. The meetings have given me new energy, new determination to keep on. I hope to go back to council even more forceful than before. When he came back, he was still fiery in his debates. In February 1982, Sibiston had taken off his suit, vest, and tie in the middle of a meeting and put on a moose hide vest and criticized the adoption of foreign governance symbols in the North. He said, I spoke about the racism towards the native people in this part of the North and how white people had imposed their system on us. In frustration, I declared, I am serious to the point of crying on this issue. Tagat Curley, who was sitting two seats away from me, interrupted saying, cry, cry tears. At this point, Sibison stated to Curley that he should watch out or he will get a punch. According to Sibiston, he kept making rude remarks, so Sibiston went over and hit him with his fist. Sibiston was expelled from the legislature for the day and apologized the next day. In 1985, after six years in cabinet, Sibiston became the premier of the Northwest Territories. For the previous two years, he had been the minister of local government, and he beat out education minister Dennis Patterson to become leader. He had worked at restraining himself over the previous two years, but was still known for his passionate speeches. He continued to wear his beaded vest to the assembly. He was also instrumental in having Inuit wall hangings, moose hair tuftings, beadwork, and Dene drums put on the walls of the chamber. Upon his election, he stated, I will be impartial and trust in the goodwill and compromising ability of all members and leaders of the North to come to the Northern Solution on Division. Soon after he was elected as leader, he worked to expand the power of his office to put his position more in line with the powers that premiers had in provinces. He said, If you control the people who work for you, you control in effect a substantial aspect of government. If there was ever a time in the history of the North when native people could get hired in all levels of government, this is it. As premier, one of his main focuses was to have the indigenous languages of the Northwest Territories made official, along with English and French. In order to reach the goal, he held a historic filibuster and spoke slavey. Thanks to his efforts, there are now nine indigenous languages spoken and translated in the Legislative Assembly. Sibiston also pledged to oppose Meech Lake unless there was more indigenous input on the matter. He also criticized the fact that the provinces all had to approve the acceptance of new provinces into confederation, something that would make it nearly impossible for the Northwest Territories to gain provincehood. He served as leader until November 1987. The following year, Sibiston quit the Northwest Territories cabinet over what he called minor portfolios. Initially, Sibiston was appointed as the deputy government leader and minister of economic development and tourism. But in a cabinet shuffle in the spring of 1988, he was given the two junior portfolios of Government Services and Northwest Territories Housing Corporation. He said, I just decided that I wasn't going to be content to be a minor minister in this government. I know my worth, I know what I am capable of, and it is much more than this. Despite this success in his professional life, he was dealing with post-traumatic stress disorder and depression from his time in residential school. He drank heavily and had several affairs while married to his wife Karen. 
Eventually, through his Catholic faith and his wife Karen, he turned his life around. He began to get counseling therapy and attended Alcoholics Anonymous. In 1991, after the time the legislature ended, he worked as a justice specialist for the territorial government. He also served for four years on the Canadian Human Rights Panel and was a slavey language advisor for the show North of 60. He also ran a bed and breakfast with his wife in Fort Simpson. In 1999, Sibiston was appointed to the Senate of Canada. His goal in the Senate was to find a new name for the Northwest Territories to reflect its people better. He also focused on mitigation of climate change. He said, It is a very humbling experience to be called upon by the Prime Minister. I am very honoured. I will speak out on behalf of the North. While his name was rumoured for the Senate, he was not expected to receive the call. In 2014, he was criticised for his low attendance in Senate. He stated that party politics was the reason he missed 51 out of 70 votes. In the Northwest Territories, there are no political parties. In 2015, Citizen wrote, You will wear a white shirt, his autobiography. And in September 2017, Citizen announced he would resign on his 74th birthday from the Senate. He stated he wanted to focus on his family, travel, and spirituality. He was also finding the travel to and from Ottawa more difficult, he said. As you get older, the travelling back and forth to Ottawa is arduous. It was just a time to move on. He added, I thought it was a good day as any to pull the plug, to tell the Governor General that I would be resigning on my 74th birthday. I have one year left, but in the interest of not just treading water here, just letting go, getting someone else to be the Senator, it all added up to me deciding to go. I hope you enjoyed that episode and our look at Nick Sibiston. Information from Inspire. Writers Festival, Wikipedia, CBC, Calgary, Alberta, Edmonton Journal, Toronto Star, Whitehorse Daily Star, and the Windsor Star. If this is your first time listening and you like what you heard, please take a moment and give us a five-star review to help other people find these amazing stories. And there are so many you can sink your teeth into. We also love hearing from you, so if you have a show topic you want me to cover, email me at craig at canadaehx.com or stop by my website and social media. I'll include all of those links in the show notes. Canada may be known for its landscapes and friendly people, but beneath the surface lies a darker side of crime, history, and the paranormal. Since 2017, the award-winning Dark Poutine podcast has explored the shadowy corners of the Great White North and beyond, delivering chilling tales from a uniquely Canadian perspective. Hosted by Mike Brown and Matthew Stockton with over 300 episodes and fresh releases every Monday, Dark Poutine is your weekly ticket to the creepier side of Canada. Listen to Dark Poutine on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts.